All right, this is a recording I did in Indy, New Mexico. It's from a little while ago. I didn't have anything to post, so I reposted it and cleaned it up. Anyway, it's uh, you can find all the photos of all the cars on the Facebook page, Trucking with Kingfish, TWK, Trucking with Kingfish. You can find all the photos on Facebook, and uh, the cars are really nice. And then the guy I'm talking to at the end, he's a curator, Flint, and uh, he's got some amazing stories. So on with the show. Keeping that hammer down all across the nation, checking cities off his list. Sharing stories of the road right here on his station. You are listening to the Kingfish. Yes, you've tuned in to the Kingfish Radio Network. Mm. Expand your mind. On the open road with Kingfish, right here. This truck stop in Indy, New Mexico. This place is unique because they have a car museum here with just about every car memorabilia thing you can imagine. It's quite amazing, actually. I'm standing in front of a convertible Chevrolet Impala 1958 turquoise. This thing is just absolutely perfect. Oh my god. It's beautiful. Let's move on to the next one. 1955 Corvette with a 265 V8 engine. 210 horsepower. Convertible. White. Absolutely stunning. Oh, here's one. This is amazing. 1959 Corvette. Four-speed transmission. It's like a light baby blue. Unbelievable. Convertible yet again. Oh my god, this thing is, it looks like the, it looks just as good as the day it came off the showroom floor. Oh, here we go. A Ford Galaxy Sunliner, 1961, automatic transmission, 390 V8. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Red with the dice hanging from the, with the rear view mirror. Absolutely stunning. I love this thing. Oh god, that's beautiful. All right, here's one for you. 1940, 1955 Ford Crown Victoria Skyliner. All right, with the tinted top. Oh, just absolutely stunning. And that my particular style, but I still like it. Oh, here's something that's real nice. 1957 Pontiac Super Chief. 389 tri-power, 345 horsepower, three-speed automatic transmission. It's like a light kind of greenish color. I don't even know how to describe it. It's absolutely stunning. Oh my god. It's like something out of American Graffiti. I couldn't imagine what that must have been like. Alright, now we're moving on to the next one. 1959 Ford Galaxy Fairlane. Uh, I don't know. This doesn't really do it for me, but it's still in perfect shape. Next one, 1963 and a half Ford Galaxy 500. I remember these driving around. I didn't think they were a big deal back then, but I look at them now and I realize they are a big deal. Beautiful car. Oh. 
Karmic, yeah. Stretched out Volkswagen, never liked them. 1966 Ford Thunderbird convertible coupe, kind of mauve. I don't even know what color that is. I don't know what the color. Like a turquoise? No, I don't even know. I don't know what color. What, what color would you say that is? Pink. Pink? Yeah, I don't even know what to call it. Champagne? Okay, there's somebody here fancy. He said it's champagne. It's for a podcast, yeah. Well, at least one of us is sophisticated. I don't even know what to call it. I never had that color in my crayon set. Silver Rose? Oh, the names they come up with some of this stuff. You ever seen a rose that looked like that? The last bottle of champagne I had was that color. Yeah, after it had been sitting in the closet for 20 years, you forgot about it. All right, now we're going to 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air convertible. Oh, this thing is just... It just makes you want to go to the car hop. Dice hanging from it, just spotless. 19, next one, 1963 Cadillac Coupe de Ville. Three-speed automatic transmission, white. Convertible once again. Oh, my God, absolutely stunning. Oh, look at the boot. You don't you don't drive that the you don't drive the last car you you sail it. Here's one 1960 Chevrolet Impala red, 350 V8 power slide automatic transmission red color. This thing is beautiful. Not only is it beautiful, but it's got the old car hop tray hanging from the window. So and then it's got the with a fake bird. It's just amazing. All right, I'm gonna end this and then go to the next one. We still got some more cars. All right, now we're looking at a 1968 Chevrolet Camaro Supersport 350 with a with a oh, this thing is just it's 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 light blue with the white striping. Oh my God, this thing is just oh, look at this thing. It just makes you want to jump in, slam your foot to the floor, and go fucking chase, go run away from the cops. All right, now we're going into something more classic. 1952 Chevrolet Deluxe. This thing's a convertible. Not my style, but, I mean, it's like you would get attention driving this thing. Then we got a 1950 Ford Custom Red with a four-door, six-cylinder, 95 horsepower. Whoo! I think in 1950 that was like probably like a big deal. All right, here we go. 1953 Kaiser. Manhattan four-door L6 226 engine 118 horsepower. I don't even know what that is Kaiser Manhattan never heard of it probably some German thing Here we go 1958 Ford Galaxy Skyliner Retract 1959 give this in mind 1959 retractable hardtop 352 300 horsepower three-speed automatic transmission So not only do you have the automatic transmission you have the retractable hardtop that takes up the entire trunk, okay? And it's 300 horsepower, which is quite a bit, actually. Oh, here's an old, let's go back here. Oh my God, look at this. It's got a hard, it's got a, uh, the convertible top's all glass. You know, the rear window's glass. The whole, the whole trunk area lifts up and then the convertible top retracts into the trunk area. Quite honestly, I don't think you'd get much in here. Man, that is just amazing. What's the latching mechanism? 
Oh, I don't see where it lands. Oh, I see. I see where it goes in. I don't see where it latches. Oh, well, I'm gonna have to look that up. I'm curious now. That's all black. Oh my God, that's amazing. Along the walls here, it's all memorabilia, old trucks, old cars, a lot of die cast. Holy shit, there's my truck. There's a die cast version of my truck. Actually, there's two of them. I'll have to take a picture of those. Oh, no, it's a set of triples. You don't see those very often. You see doubles, but you don't see triples. So I'll have to take a picture of that. That is really freaking cool. Oh, my God. All right. Let's see what else we got here. You know what? If I had to say I had a favorite here, I don't think I could. I just I really don't. So let's go. I'm going to take a picture of this, and then I'll go on to round three. have to go dig through the couch to get changed so you could go somewhere. Yeah. Just go make the drag. Or you used yeah. to put dolls with the ass in the couch and go on. Right. right around all night It's like, yeah, you want to go somewhere? It's like, oh, is there any change in the couch? Yeah. 24 cents a gallon. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's what you used to do? Now it's three. Yeah. yeah. When it hit the dollar, I thought I was like, oh my God, it's the end of the world. Right. It was just, I never thought it'd get this high. Or diesel. God, they used to throw away diesel. They couldn't get rid of it. Here you go. Okay, if I had a favorite, I think I would have to go with this, I don't know, this Pontiac Super Chief. It's just amazing. It's not convertible, though. I think, no, if I had a, I'd go with, I guess the, the Ford Galaxy Sunliner would be a great party car. But the, the Corvette would be the, because the, the, it's a two-seater, that'd be the kind of car you want to go out with your girl and just cruise around town. And Oh my God, this thing is just stunning. Absolutely stunning. But I think my favorite has got to be this Chevrolet Impala 1958. Just something about it. It just blows me away. All right, I got to get out of here. Very car. Uh, fender bender shops and everything. They didn't know nothing about fiberglass in 1953, 4, 5. Uh-huh. The only thing they could do was paint it like that and then wait 24 hours to stand it and paint it again. Well, well it took forever to get 
I remember the Corvettes in the in the '60s, like the Stingray. You, you got in any accident, that was it. it was oh yeah, there, and they did the same thing. They and, and the car was never. High. They said we ain't going to pay somebody to work on your car three months. We're just going to get rid of. And the car was never the same after that. Yeah, yeah. But that's beautiful. I mean, but that Impala though. I don't care what color that is. Okay, they had Impalas. They were white. The solid white ones. A lot of them had the turquoise interior, and in the. Uh, they even had red interior and white bodies. They were beautiful cars, and uh, but there just wasn't that many of them. And, and uh, I don't know what happened to them. I think they had too much metal in them, and they just crushed them. Ah. And uh, but that car there is the only car that we've ever shown in a show. And the only reason we did is because the guy that was that did all the well, him and his wife. What, 29 years for us, and they did 68 cars. And uh, when they got, he got losing his eyesight, and he thought it was from sanding and blasting all the time with, with uh, these cars. And he said, "I've got to quit." And we were, we had plenty of cars. We didn't need them anymore anyway. And so he said, "All right." And he said, "Mr. Russell asked him, said, did you uh, have any regrets all the 29 years? Because he enjoyed working on the cars." And uh, he said, I only had one. I never didn't know how good I was because I never got to compete. You know, they guys that redo these cars, they kind of compete with each other. Yeah. They're, they're so, so Mr. Russell showed the car because he said that? Well, he told him, he said, well, if you was going to show a car, which one would it be? And he said, oh, it'd be the 58 Apollo. And he said, okay. He said, uh, yes, I've got my trailer on the pickup, my dually four-door. He said, We'll put it in the trailer. We just go to Las Vegas. They're having the biggest car show in the world up there this weekend, and we just take it. That's you know. What? So he took the guy and his wife, and him and his wife went, and they went to Las Vegas, and they showed that car in a class with a thousand and fifty cars. Yeah. And that car won it. So let me let me get. The, I think this says a lot about Mr. Russell. Oh yeah. Okay. So the man who does a lot of his work for him says. I'm going to retire, but the only regret I have is the fact that I never got to compete. Mm -hmm. And so Mr. Russell says, well, let's just pick up and drive whatever it is from you know New Mexico to Las Vegas, and let's show him the biggest car show around and see what happens. As, yeah. And this is my, this is like, you're retiring? This is like my gift to you. Oh, yeah. That is badass. Well, he, <laughs> that is badass. He won $7,500 with that car, and he gave it to the guy, and it's in a trophy that's about that tall. No shit. Yeah. And the old boy couldn't see real well, but he was just sitting there. He just tickled him to death. You know, I think that... He loaded the car back up and brought I think, it home. I think that says a lot about Mr. Russell right there. Oh, yeah. He's that kind of guy. But, you know, he's shrewd at business, but when it comes to doing stuff for people, he's just the opposite. Talk about loyalty. Yeah. He comes through here three times a week, and uh, he'll walk through here with his arms folded like this. You'd never know he had a dime, you know. He... He dresses nice, but he's not, you know, not any different than we are, basically. He walks through here, comes back up here, and he said, um, did that gas pump have a light in it down there? Heck, I don't remember. Did it have? I don't know. Oh, he said, I'll get some bulbs and bring them by. He said, if you think you need to change it, well, change one. I'll just leave it up to you. And, and he leaves. That's it. I, I like good. that. I that's like good. He never says anything to us. And I asked him one day, I said, don't you have anything that you want to say about the way we're doing it? He said, no. 
because you're doing it the way I want you to. He said, if you if you get to where you're doing it, not not doing it the way I want it, I'll let you know. <laughs> I like that. But I just I like the fact that you know here's a man ready to re- you know he's retiring, he's losing his eyesight, he's towards the end, of, he's closer to the end than the beginning, and his only regret is the fact that he can't show his car. And then Mr. Russell says, "Yeah, we can. Let's do it." Yeah. And this this tiny gesture on, on Mr. Russell made a huge, huge difference probably in this guy's life. Now he's got this big trophy. He probably did, but he said it turned out real good. And he said, well, all right. And, uh, but he said, I'm, I'm not too busy. He said, come out here. So they went out to pick it up and he, he unwrapped this thing here and took it in. He said, I want this put on that car. He said, hell no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, uh, you want me to put that on the car? Go get me another car, and I'll put it on there. But I ain't doing nothing to that one there. That's perfect. That car's great, and it is. It's really a nice job. It's really perfect. <laughs> and, and he said, "No, I want that on there." And he said, "No, I ain't gonna put it on there." And he said, "Now, Dad, I I want that put on there." And uh, he said, "I think you can do it." He said, "I don't want to do it." <laughs> They argued back and forth, and finally he just got mad. He went over to the old boy did and got a, one of them grinders with a cutting deal on it, and he just jumped up on that car and just went, and he just cut that top of that car and threw it over in the, body, you know, in the thing. He said, now, are you satisfied? And he said, he said, yeah, as soon as you get that top in there, and he said, well, you get out of here and leave me alone. Maybe I'll look at it. And Mr. Russell left, and he got, he got home. And, and the next day, about noon, the old boy called him. He said, you can come get your car. And he said, what'd you do? And he said, well, I got that top in here. He said, when I cut that other top out from the Crown Vic to the front, all I had to do is just take one end out of the windshield, take the chrome off the windshield, just shove it in there and put the black stuff around it and just shove it in there. And it went in. Oh. Would the other gentleman be here tomorrow morning? Uh, yeah. Okay. Jerry will. Okay. I always talk to him. You don't like me? I've never seen you. Oh. I've been, I'm from Ohio. He is kind of crazy. This is my like third trip in the last three weeks out here to California and back. Can I just stop in and say hi to him? Yeah. I work so, on the weekend, so yeah, he'll be here. Yeah, it's usually during the week when we're there. Actually, Corky will be here in the morning. So it won't be Jerry. It'll be Corky. Okay. The guy I'm talking about is an older guy, white hair, mustache. Older guy, probably his 50 or 60s. He yeah. had a mustache. Well, the one got, that was in here the other day. Goatee kind of thing, yeah, that's, whatever. That's whatever. That's Jerry. He might be here in the morning. I, I'm supposed to be here tomorrow, but but Jerry should be here in the morning, and somebody's going to take my place because I'm cranking up my plane heading for Las Vegas in the morning. Really? Yes, sir. I'm not going to be around here for a week. Why not? I'm going to go on vacation. You're going to go gamble? Well, I guess, yeah. That's are you married? Am I married? Yeah. Is your wife gonna let you go by yourself is what I'm wanting to know. Oh no. Is she going with you then? Well yeah. Okay, oh, smart and, woman. And so is five other people. Okay, I'm with my old man too. He owns his own trucking company. I work for a Honda plant back home in Ohio, but I've been on medical leave. I had carpal tunnel on both wrists at the same time. Ouch. They do them at the same time in Ohio. So I've been off for six weeks and I go back to work Monday. So well, lucky you. I love my job. Yeah, a lot of people. Be Not too many forty-six-year-olds can say they've been at a job twenty years and they like their job. Yeah, that's true. So, and I'm forty-six and I've been there twenty years. So, 
Yeah, I like my job. Well, that's good, because if you don't like it, you're too far into it now to back out. Yeah, so. But no, I just, I always talk to him about how beautiful it is out here. This is the first time, like I said, this is my third time in three weeks, but it's just gorgeous out here. We'll just call him up hometown to come in. No, I'll see him in the morning. I'll be back. I'll spend the night with the No, no, we, we call him he up. He lives 30 <laughs> miles from here. Huh? He lives 30 miles from here. Oh, does he? He lives in Vega, Texas. Okay. Oh, that's not that far. Just go down there and knock on the door. Nah, I'll see him in the morning. I'm camp we're camping out in the... We, we like <laughs> their breakfast here, wouldn't so... That be, wouldn't that be funny, though? Hey, we're still driving by. We hey, to say, I wanted to say hi before I went all the way back to Ohio. <laughs> wouldn't that be hilarious? He wouldn't say a word. Yeah, yeah I see you Wife later. might. Well, yeah. <laughs> the, I, I'm an old lady. I know how we are. <laughs> oh, that'd be hilarious. You know, I, I got married. You asked me if I was married. I got married when I got out of high school. I was barely 17. And two months later, I got married and we took off to college and had everything we had in a car. And we had room in the front seat. And been married ever since. This year will be 60 years. That is amazing. 60 years? Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't get. You've been married 60 years? Oh, I'd never guessed you were that old. Never. Oh, yeah, I am that old. Wow, I would have never guessed that. But I get the same thing. I mean, I'll be 47 in March, and I have two grandsons. Everybody's like, when I'm cleaned up, I look better. And they're like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, two of them. Mm. Four in ten months. There was, well, I got married the first time. That, oh, that, I well, you have a safe trip. Have fun. Oh, yeah. Yep. But the second one worked out pretty good. Four or five years, something like that. And last year I went to get it because they needed a relief driver here for fuel. And I had everything except triples. We don't have triples in New Mexico, so we can't, uh -huh. just can't get triples. But I had everything you could get. Hazmat, the whole work, everything. And I had it for 44 years, and I went down to get renew my license last year, and because they were coming due, and uh, they told me that they'd have to do a hazmat search. I said, "Why?" Well, Homeland Security requires it. I said, "I've had the license 44 years. If I was going to bomb somebody, I'd already done it." Well, not know? only that, but you know, if if, if, and, if I'm a bad terrorist type guy. I'm not going to put the hazardous placards on the outside of the tractor. That's true. You know, and, and the other thing is like, um, okay, I'm, I'm not talking against guns, but you can go buy a gun and that's it. You do the permitted check when you get it. For CDL, you got to go back every couple of years and you got to renew your hazmat license. Well, and do the background check. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't mind taking the test. I mean, you got to take the test for knowledge. That's fine. Yeah. You change, but I got to do the fingerprint. They got to send all this shit. Well, what has changed in the last couple of years? But you can buy a gun, and it's like you do it once, and that's it. But I don't, I don't, I don't understand why there's a difference. You know, yeah, I don't either. But they, they told and me, I'm not, and I'm not saying that you should have to go get fingerprinted every couple of years for a gun. They told me that I, that I would, they'd have to research, uh, do a, do background, a background yeah. search, and I have a, I have a passport. And I flew all over the world with jets and everything else, and uh, I've got all kinds of clearance. And FBI does your passport, and it was it was done the same year, last year, and and uh, they wanted two hundred and forty dollars to do it. Yeah. And, and a lot I of said, it's. I said, I, well, here's the thing, right? They do all that, and then they say go to the UPS store and the FedEx store and, and do the background. It's like. 
wait a minute, wait, can pay him to, to fingerprint me and send yeah, it in? You, you really? That you doesn't make picture. any sense. And, you know, and the, like my fingerprints have changed in the last... Buddy's uncle's involved. And it was all done like right there? Okay. Oh, something else I had, I had physical again, because you have to always have physical. Yeah, well, I, could, I understand and that, so but... I said, where do I get a physical? And out here, we don't have a specified... You can't go just to any doctor and get a physical. You can't do that anymore. You used to be able to. Yeah. But now they pass a new regulation. You have to go to a certified doctor. So here's what the yeah. DOT said. They sent me to a chiropractor. I went to a chiropractor. I just went last week. So here's the thing. We don't, the DOT, we don't trust that this doctor with medical training can evaluate that you can drive safely unless you've been certified but you can be certified even if you're just a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. So the chiropractor is doing the eye test, he's doing all the other stuff. He's doing the stuff that a regular doctor would do that he normally doesn't do, but he's certified to do that because of what the deal. It's... The guy, uh, when the guy gave me an eye test, he, I was about this far from down a hall, and it was so dark in there, you couldn't see nothing. He shuts the door and there's a deal on the door and he said, read the top line. And I can't even see it because it's dark. And he mm. says, well, you're going to have to have glasses if you're going to drive. <laughs> well, for me, he's and I, gonna... said, I said, turn the light on. I can see it. For me, it was, uh, uh, they're like, can you read that? I said, well, I can't read that with my glasses. Well, we need you to read it. T-O-Z. They're like, well, you can read it. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, no, it's not that I can read it. It's just that when I walk by, I got a really good memory. <laughs> you know? Because I, you know, I they're like, read the top line. I'm like, well, how can I just read line five? And they're like, well, okay. Well, I memorized line five when I walked by. <laughs> well, I have, to, I have to keep it. I but with the glasses on, I can see perfect. A class three all the time for my pilot's license. You have to do that, too. And, and Were you do you fighter, pilot in World War II? Uh, no, I just thought it was a uh, test pilot for Lockheed. Oh, right on, right on. I flew the planes that they made, you know, when they, before oh, they man. gave it to anybody. I bet you got some stories. Oh, man. I flew the first F-111 they ever made. It wasn't armed, but it was the first swept wing. Yeah, and, yeah. Anything, they told me to take it, and uh, we were flying it up at Edwards, and he said, take that thing and... and don't go over the envelope, but take it to the envelope and see what it'll do. We think it's, it'll probably fly pretty fast. We think it'll fly probably pretty fast. Yeah. And it's real tech. It's like this. Well, then you had nothing to compare it to. I mean, this was like first time. You have no control on it whatsoever. It's doing it all by computer. I got thinking, well, man built that computer. I hope the heck he got it tied down pretty good. I, um, my mom worked at Edwards in security. Oh, did you? And my stepfather uh, was the uh, the was the guy who was in charge of all the computers. He was the big IT guy, and he just retired a few years ago. So uh, I don't think he was there back then when no, you no, did it. He but back there. but uh, his predecessor would have been the one to blame. So we'll just yell at Don anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so we uh, I flew all over the world. I flew the first U two that they ever made, spy plane. No shit. And uh, I took it eighty thousand feet in five percent. Uh, power and it's flying still as fast as it was, at, you know, down low. And uh, we tested it out. And the first time we flew it over Russia was on the bed. The way? Yeah, we was in the hangar and a bunch of guys. I said, "Y'all can fly that thing over Russia, and they couldn't nobody see you." Well, I was. You couldn't do I that said, today. I said, "Get your money out." Couldn't do it today. Uh, oh, I think you could. As high as that thing flies, they can't pick you up on the radar. Oh, that's beautiful. 
That's beautiful. 8,000 feet, I can look up and see the stars. And you can see the curvature of the Earth like this, you know, just right at the edge of space. Oh, that's beautiful. And uh, I flew into uh, Vandenberg one time, and uh, I was coming back from the Grand Con, Germany. Grand Con, Grand Con, what did they call that airbase over there? Grand Con, I think. And I flew back over to Edwards, I mean, from Edwards down to Vandenberg. And I was, I come in and I was looking down at the airport and <laughs> I called in and I said, give me the airport advisory and told him my number and everything. And he said, uh, well, when you get close enough to us, he said, give us another call. We got some planes coming in. And I said, I'm right over the top of you looking straight down at you right now. And he said, we don't have you on radio. How high are you anyway? And I said, 78,000 <laughs> <laughs> Get your ass down here to 1,500 feet and then call me again, he said, and just, and just hung up. <laughs> I laughed. I went circling. Oh, my God. Finally, when he, when he finally got me on radar, he called back and said, I have you on radar now. Circle out, storm throw degrees, come back in. <laughs> oh, my God. And he come in there. He come out there where we was at in the ready room, and he said, when the hell are you calling me at 75,000 feet? Hell, we couldn't even pick you up. And I said, now you know you can't. Well, what better way than to test that stuff on yourselves, yeah, right? Sure. Yeah, sure. Oh, my God, that's beautiful. <laughs> oh, i got to hit the restroom. Okay. Hey, you know what? Thanks for the talk, man. Amen. That was awesome. Hey, um, what I want to do, next time I come, it might be a while because I, I never know when I'm coming through, but I want to I do this podcast once in a while, and I want to bring my recorder. If we can talk just like we did, you want to share a couple of stories? That would be awesome. I talk regularly to a guy who flies a C-141 Starlifter, and I get a lot of stuff from him. I used to be airborne, so I'm one of the guys he probably shoved out of the plane. So he was kind of like, you know, his people were more like enemies to me at the time. And I know what they were doing. When we were sitting there like this, they'd hit the throttle. And we'd, you know, do one of those. You know what I mean? Yep. But, uh, if you, you know, anytime you want to share those stories, I don't know that I want to share anything with anybody. A lot of the crap that I've done, I couldn't even share back then. <laughs> See, that's the best part. Yeah. Oh. You know, because the, the, the nobody does anything anymore. No, they don't. Everything's all generic, you know? Everybody lives. I, I don't really know how we survived. But see, that's what made it. That's what made every, That's what made everybody better because everybody was taking chances and doing crazy. Now everything's too regulated and paperwork to you know it was it was crazy sometimes i, I was in college in, in 60 went down in 59 my wife went with me and we she was going to school and i was too and i was firing on the rotc rifle team because i uh -huh. I, I don't even remember getting my first 22 i mean we my dad he wasn't one of these guys that locked up his guns he taught us how to use them and then left them where he wanted them but see, that's the difference between back then and like today. Back then, the, the, uh, a gun was a tool. People used it for hunting, or, you know, and it was actually a tool. Like you said, you're a rancher, so it's an, and it's an actual tool for what you're doing. And so it's just like it's just like the pl the tractor or or whatever. But the, but you got these crazies that are walking around like they're toys, and it's the yeah. the crazies that act like they're toys they that ruin everything. Okay, I stopped at Russell's truck stop. I had to take my half-hour break. I ended up staying there an hour and a half. <laughs> I did not plan on that. I walked inside, and the car museum was open, and I couldn't believe that they were still open. 
So I walked in there and I looked at the cars and walked around. And then I started talking to the caretaker, Flint. And I really had to go to the bathroom. But it was like he kept telling these crazy stories. And I, and I was like, I couldn't get away. Because I was like, I was captivated by his stories. He's a very soft-spoken man. So I was really surprised that I came through as well as it did. But he was a test pilot, you know, back in the day. And, I mean, he was just like, the stories that he told were just like, wow, wow, wow. You know, it was just, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a story. But the thing is, I talked to Flint for like, like about an hour. And, uh, you know, I didn't record nearly as, you know, that five minute at a time thing just doesn't work when you're trying to talk like that. So what I should have did was I should have called somebody and had them host so that I could have kept it recording the whole time. That's what I should have did. But I wasn't, you know, I, this was like a spur of the moment thing. I wasn't planning on this. So the next time I go in there, I'll do this better. But because Flint's just full of, I mean, he's just, you know, he's 77 years old. He's got all these... He's got a lifetime of history, you know, and his stories are amazing. That's really what it comes down to, though. Everybody has a story. All you got to do is get them talking. And when people start talking, they don't realize how amazing their stories are until somebody listens to them. To them, it's just their lives. But when you start listening to them... And you start listening to their story and and you start telling them about it. Oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. You're part of history. You did this, you did that. Then they start to realize, you know, hey, maybe what I did was cool. Maybe what I did was meaningful. You know, I really would like to share. And then they share more of their stories. You know, you just gotta get people talking. You know, the key is getting getting them to be comfortable enough to go down the path where they can tell their story because people don't want to tell their story if it's not going to be appreciated and I got to tell you I was listening to that man's stories and I was like blown away I was like this is amazing but on the other hand I got like what 15 minutes of it and we were there talking for well over an hour so I missed most of it and there was some big jumps in there but you guys got the gist of what was going on. So Bernie found a man who fly, uh, flew the U-2. This is his first man to fly in Russia. See, he told me his stories, but you get a guy like Bernie Goldback, he would know better questions to ask because he's a pilot. I'm not a pilot. I don't know anything about flying a plane. They have their own language, these guys. You know, I would love to have had Bernie there so he could talk to Flint and ask those questions. Those questions that I don't know to ask. That Flint doesn't realize is cool. Because that's his life. He just lived it. So anyway, that's how my evening's going so far.